character. Bring yeah. in Marcellus. All right, here's former <laughs> NFL host of the More To It podcast, Marcellus Wiley. What's happening, Marcellus? I'm just listening to you guys like battle for who got last place in the marathon. That's just so <laughs> Marcellus, funny, it wasn't Marcellus. Let me just tell you, it wasn't good because when we started out, the host Brian grabbed me by the scruff and said. That car behind us is the end of the marathon, and we have to start moving. <laughs> but let me ask you, if you did 10K right now, would it be just no problem? No, it'd be all problems. Matter of fact, I wouldn't even do it. I did a 5K when I was in better shape and much younger, like let's say seven years ago. I never knew how long it would take to run the <laughs> five. People were like, dude. "No, this is where you start. These are your like your training wheels." I'm like, "Shit, this is life. I can't do this." It killed me. I'm too big. I'm like 280. Every time I hit the ground, my vertebrae just shake. Like, dude, no more steps. It was hell. Yeah, and I was not lying. Like we were, it was through the streets of Toronto. We were running down the a street called the Bayview Extension. It's Bayview, and literally, they're opening it up to traffic. As the last guys like move, like yeah, there's and traffic. there was four people that decided to walk, and then the pace car at the very end. Yes, and you said, "Look back there. If we can't beat that, we are in massive trouble. Massive trouble. They're picking up traffic oh, cones ten feet behind us. I was I was genuinely embarrassed oh, when you yeah. when you made me look back there. It was really disgusting. But and that was like, you, you, you're erasing a funeral service. It was like you were the funeral service who's getting there first. Man, that's, that's how right. I was going when well, I. Well, that's little did he know the paramedics were watching us closely too. Believe me, they they were concerned <laughs> as they probably should have been. Um, so you were were you in Vegas on Saturday night? Did you see that live, John Jones? I, I did, man. It's crazy because he's my favorite fighter, and I've never been to UFC before. Uh, just random, just never can make it happen. And uh, I'm there in Vegas. I was watching my friend perform, Sebastian Maniscalco, and then I'm sitting there Saturday morning like, the fight's here. Let's do it. So I went there with one of my former teammates. Uh, we're in the building. Tom Brady's right next to us. All these stars. is crazy. But the energy just for John Bones Jones, it's been three years. And to watch him come in the ring 43 pounds heavier than you saw him last time in the ring, an octagon, and it was just fun to watch how many people were forgiving. Like, hey, if you're great, we'll make exceptions to all the other issues you've had and the absence. And he went out there, what, two minutes later, heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah, man, he he is something else. Like he he, I'm probably not the guy to make this proclamation, but I know others have. Like he is the goat when it comes to UFC and MMA. This guy has been doing damage forever, and yet all all I could think of was like, what was the grocery bill like in that house growing up? Where <laughs> Arthur went to the NFL, Chandler went to the NFL, and John is a monster in the UFC. Like those three dudes are massive. Like what were they? Uh-oh. What were they eating as teenagers? Yeah. It, it, it's like I thought the same thing. Like the calorie count in that house, which leads to that food tab, is insane. And more than that, you imagine the battles over the last bag of chips. Like, dude, like they're all NFL or like baddest man on the planet. Like three little studs growing up in that house. So I love to just kind of go with like the family studs, like the, the Manning family. You can see how great they are. And obviously now you got the Jones family and the Williams sister family. Like some of these families where we always have that argument, nature versus nurture. It's like, dude, 
I swear nature is winning this one because those kids all came from the same parents, and they all made it insane. Were you there for the Jake Gallenhall uh, knockout as well? Were, were you in the background of the Roadhouse movie or anything like that? Like that kind of caught, uh, for me anyways, a lot of people off guard because mm-hmm. I wonder if, for, at first I think people thought it was real uh, and then you realized <laughs> it was for a movie. I don't know, were you there when all that was going down? Yeah, you know, I was there, but I can't lie. And this has happened too many times. This is one reason why I stopped going to actual Super Bowls. When you're at home, you get so much more context. You get replays. You get descriptions. When you're there, you're arguing with some guy. I said Bud Light, Bud Light. And meanwhile, you're like watching it, but you're not catching everything. So I saw it, and I didn't understand it. It was one of those things. Um, and then, you know, half the time you go to these events now, uh, you see so many people, it feels like a reunion, and people are just yelling and pumped, and you talk, it's almost social half, and then the other half, you're like actually there for the real event. So, in attendance, but not present mentally in that moment, I was ordering drinks. <laughs> All right, with uh, Marcellus Wiley. So, the NFL news is starting to come in. It sounds like Josh Jacobs, uh, I believe, has been tagged now in, in Vegas. Uh, we're waiting to see what's happened with, with a number of other players league-wide. Tony Pollard's going to get tagged uh, by the Cowboys. And Derek Carr is on his way to New Orleans. So he gets himself a four-year deal. What, what do you make of the Carr news and the ripple effect this could have on Rodgers, Lamar, other quarterbacks in the league? Yeah, the Carr news is interesting because, um, one, New Orleans obviously didn't feel like they had a shot at Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Jets are still holding their breath for Aaron Rodgers. And, it just seems like this was the first domino to fall, even though it's not the biggest of the dominoes. It's just like New Orleans had to make a decision. We know what that means for Jameis Winston. Uh, you, you got Jarvis Landry there, and obviously you, know, you got Michael Thomas if he could stay healthy, man. You got some weapons there. Alvin Kamara if he could stay out of jail because he has this off-season issues to deal with. But the point is, this, it's a potent offense if you stir it up properly. And Derek Carr is the king of very good, you know. I, I don't know if he's excellent for a long period of time, but you can't sneeze at him. He's a really talented quarterback that is responsible. I think that's probably something that jumps out. You can rely on him. He's going to be a responsible leader for you at the same time. Hasn't gotten over the hump just yet. But they can maybe mix something up out there. But it's just interesting to see that teams are already starting to strike despite the looming news of Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to be a Packer or not? Marcellus, like watching him last year, like did Carr not struggle mightily? You talk about weapons. He had them. He couldn't get the job done. In one press conference, I believe he was crying, which I'm, I'm not going to call a guy out and say that's unacceptable. But how do you just fall in love with that? body of work and think it's going to be drastically different on the positive end the following year with a different organization yeah you know it always starts with the numbers um so i think a lot of times from the outside we always look at greatness from the top down like okay let's start with patrick mahomes and then i think evaluators have to look at it differently because those guys don't even count in their mind they can't acquire them so then it becomes a numbers game, like how many guys qualify? How many guys can just get you there, maybe even get you over the hump? And that's where you have to start your evaluation. Derek Carr qualifies. Is he Patrick Mahomes? Hell no. Is he in the AFC West with all those quarterbacks anymore? Well, Russell Wilson, we don't know what that was last year, but you talk about being out there with Justin Herbert. 
talking about, man, you don't have Patrick Mahomes. Now he's in the division with quarterbacks. You're like, who are these dudes? So there's a chance that Derek Carr is the best quarterback, at least by resume, he certainly is right now in the NFC South. And you talk about what can he do? He's done some great things in this league before, and you just hope that you can catch him, breath of fresh air, and it happens here. I'll tell you one thing about NFL inside information, that if you show flashes of greatness at one destination, no matter how it ends, there will always be the ego of a different organization and general manager thinking with a breath of fresh air, they can resurrect you and you can revitalize their organization. It happens every time. Like, guys know that if you messed up your first opportunity but you already were a good player, you're going to have another opportunity to show your worth. So this is his second chance. He's been with the Raiders his entire career. Maybe different offense, different scheme, different set of, of skill set players. Things happen for him. But I'm with you. I'm skeptical, but he's still qualified. With Marcellus Wiley, it, it feels like daily there's a new report out of Green Bay that they're just sick and tired of Rodgers, that they feel like they that he really – Screwed them over last year. He got his deal, he got his money, and he checked out. And he, he was no leadership. He wasn't there for OTAs. He wasn't there for mini camps. Threw everyone else under the bus. And I'm curious, based on what you just talked about, I think there's similar logic at play here in terms of talent and what it's worth and what you're willing to put up with. You look at the NFC, there's nobody there from a quarterbacking scenario that really scares you. I mean, Brady's retired now. Okay, you're bringing Derek Carr into New Orleans. That's not going to freak anybody out. So do you think the Packers would look at this situation where all of the elite quarterbacks, or the majority of them, are in the AFC and think, let's stomach this, bring him back, because there's a real chance at doing damage? Or could you look at it like, this is the time to bring in Jordan Love, because even if he's average, that might be a first option is your best option. (laughs) Okay. Marcellus, where do you stand on that? Yeah, look, um, it's almost a dating analogy here where – as beautiful as she is and as stunning and how much attention and the good points are good. It's just the day to day, the mundane moments. It's, it's almost the preparation is the separation. And they're so fatigued of preparing with Aaron Rodgers because they don't know what Aaron Rodgers they're going to get. And more than that, they're not getting the results they desire. Aaron Rodgers at his best back-to-back MVPs, et cetera. You know, he's a four-time MVP. They won one Super Bowl, right? And they've been 13-3 for like a couple of years, few years there, and no results. So now you're really starting to look at it from no matter what angle. Is it worth it? Like, and just be, be careful who you go to war with, who you go to battle with, because he has the ability to inflate the team, but also deflate the team. I think they've come to the assessment that they play lesser than a sum of its parts because Aaron Rodgers is not leading them. And then you see teams that are not as talented play better because they have someone inflating them. I just just look at it like simply, he's a hard cat to be around. And because he's Aaron Rodgers, he knows he can act like that. And when you're above reproach, who wants to be around you, man? I just know I don't like teammates like that. And I played with like six Hall of Famers, but they all had high character and they didn't act like that. But a guy who just comes in the room and sucks all the oxygen out, you're like, okay, it's hard to breathe, but I can deal with it if we get the ultimate goal. But when we're not even that good and you're acting like that, it's time to move on, man. So I would roll the dice on Jordan Love 
get some young talent in their production, at least you're going to get a spry young leader in him versus a guy who's been there, done that, who seems not impressed by just gathering the guys and making them the best they can be. It just seems like he's over football even though he's still playing. Marcellus, quickly before we get you out of here, I, I don't know why this guy bugs me, but Danny Dimes bugs me a little bit. And I'm seeing reports that he's looking for $45 million. I, I don't know. what What's this guy going to make? Like, Is he going to get paid that bag of money? I think it's going to be a four. I don't know if it's going to be a four and a five, but it's going to be a four. Yeah, and, oh. and good for him. You know why? Because, <clears throat> one, he knows the marketplace. Like, look what we just talked about. Like, Derek Carr is out there getting this type of money, and you're like, ugh, Derek Carr. Well, Marcellus, if you were running the team, wouldn't you say, you know what, we're going to take our – um, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of this is our only option, so we got to pay him. I would never do that in management. Well, it's not that isolated. Like, you forget, and people forget, this guy comes – stamped with the approval from the Manning family. This guy comes with a tremendous skill set that we finally saw him with a capable coach kind of show us what he's about, and that's just scratching the surface. Now, if you keep him and Saquon together and they get acclimated to the system for more than just one year, you got something. See, evaluators love Daniel Jones. I love his skill set. But we're like, what's going on? Where is it? But last year, you saw it, and that's just the beginning. So that's why he's coming out with his chest poked out because he's like, hey, the sky's the limit and I'm going towards it. That's why I think he has the leverage here. They do not want to let him go, get into a situation where guys that are making as much as him, if not more, are not playing well. We don't know what Deshaun Watson is going to do next year. We're assuming great, but we don't know. Derek Carr is getting paid that amount of money. Uh, what's that about? And so there, there are comps. He has leverage in the comps. And I think he's going to get it. And he's in New York. They can't go out there with a suspect quarterback or roll the dice on some no-name and hope. Not when you got Saquon. Not when you have a new coach who looked good his first year. you got to keep things intact and stable. I think he gets some money. Well, there's also another element to this, that they declined his fifth-year option, and now he's stuffing it to them. Like that, I think, is at the real crux of this, too. They could have picked up that fifth-year option. They chose not to. And and now he went out and performed, and now he's going to get paid even more. And that's business in the end. Uh, great stuff, Marcellus. We'll do it again soon. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care, brother. Marcellus Wiley from the More To It podcast, former NFLer. And, yeah, I think, you know, all that comes into play. You're, you're spiteful a little bit. You realize that the organization might have doubted you at some point. Flip side of that is the organization took you sixth overall, I believe, and continues to give you opportunities and new coaches and new weapons. But uh, you I don't know how we'll mad people were when they drafted him out of Duke. Oh, they were. They were furious. <laughs> freaking about Danny Dimes. Freaking. But Who it's going to be, it's gonna be <laughs> a wild couple him. weeks, man, in the NFL. He's just got week. this weird head. Like, he's got a Pooley RV head where he's kind of like, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about him. He's got Pooley RV head. Wow. Pooley RV head is a syndrome that nobody wants. <laughs> no. And if Danny Dimes has it, and if that's what you're, you know, applying to him, then I can understand why you take issue with that. Wow. I mean, but, big, big mascot head. I get it. Like, these guys should be able to have, have helmets that fit them. I, I laughed the other day. Somebody sent me a picture of Luke Shen getting interviewed, and he man. had, like, a red line on his forehead. I think it was high and tight, that helmet, dude. <laughs> He's got some Pooley RV head too going, man. They're big guys. They're big guys. 
the yeah. big guys. Um, um, all right, we've got Mark Mathot coming up in about uh, 15 minutes. Jack Armstrong still to come later this afternoon. Graham Dillette. Uh, we we figured it'd be a superstar win in the Army Arnie Palmer. It turns out that that was not how it all nope. played out. He was so, on the grounds, I think. Yes, he was. He was there calling it, I think, for PGA Tour Radio. So we'll catch up nice. with uh, GD a little bit later this afternoon. And it's the Players' Week, right? Players' Championship this week. Overdrive continues. TSN 1050 and on TSN 2.